Well, good morning. Uh, David Munley, a dear friend of mine speaking last week, didn't he crush it? He, he did such a great job. And if you're here or you're watching online and you didn't see that service, you can go to our website. In fact, actually, if you could, uh, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. If you can show the website on the page here real quick, that would be great. If you could just jump on there, switch the screen to the website. And I, I just want to share something with you. Um, we, I'd promised, what I had done for years, I had studied uh, in ancient Near Eastern history and literature. In other words, what, that's a fancy way of saying I've studied Egyptian culture, Babylonian culture, Assyrian culture, Canaanite culture, and as well as the Bible, theology, language, all of those different kind of things. And so what I would do in my Bible classes is I, I had certain ones that I would teach that would look instead of looking at the Bible and saying, and here it is, and here it is, I was able to take people on a journey, look at the culture, and show just how strong and historical Scripture is. There's some of you maybe that are watching right now, and you're kind of saying, and it would just be the main website, lolag.org, just, just the website, if you could pull that up. But uh, go right to it, the actual website. And so um, if, you, if you look at... Um, you, you, there, there are as many opinions out there as there are PhDs, but when you look at and understand the culture outside of the Bible, and you begin to take a look at, um, you begin to take a look at the cultures, and then begin to look at Scripture, uh, there are many people that say the Bible is just about as historically accurate as Cinderella. And when you begin to study like this, you begin to see that. You know, this is not a long time ago in a land far, far away. I could take you on a plane and take you to Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, and show you all of these places and all of these manuscripts. But on a Sunday morning, I can't do that. If I begin to talk to you about the Old Kingdom, First Intermediate Period, Second Kingdom, Middle Kingdom, Second, you know, you guys will fall asleep. But there are some of you that really hunger for that kind of learning. And so on our website, if you go to lolag.org, we sent out a mass email with the link, but some of you have not yet shared your email with us, and so you may have missed that. If you go to lolag.org, there's a, a word across the top, and you just click learning. It'll offer dropdowns, but just click learning, and there are two videos up there. If you really are looking for the quick connect with the Bible, the second one really talks about a lot of what I'll talk about today, but with that background and it's just there for you. And so it's really, here it is. There's two of them up already. One of them's an overview of the geography and the history of Egypt. And then that'll help you track with different detail things. But a lot of what I'm going to say on Sunday mornings is not what I'm going to say here. And so I figured, why not give people a, a university education in Scripture so the next time you have somebody that's like, the Bible's stupid, it has nothing. Those stories never happen. Really? Is it seriously? Because... Actually, there are a lot of places where fact and scripture intersect. And I think that to just sit there and say, you know what, you just got to take it by faith. I just can't believe that a God who made us and watches over and intervenes in history can't be found in history. Does that make sense to you? Just doesn't make sense to me. And so uh, this is a chance to really kind of learn up and level up. And I'm trying to keep them between 20 minutes and 10 minutes at each of these topics. Just otherwise, um, I'll slip back into professor days and, and don't want to get you lost. So let's open up in prayer. And you guys can put that back on slide number three, and I'll take the whole service from here. You can leave it like that. I'll get it where it needs to go. Yeah, there we go. Join me if you would. And uh, 
Let's, let's stand in the presence of God this morning and ask him to make a shift. Right now, our minds on what we need to do this afternoon, on the fight we had on the way to church. That never happens in a pastor's home, by the way, right? Um, just kidding. I'm, we're all human. We're all human. And uh, let's just ask God to still our hearts to hear what he has to say. I believe this is gonna be life transforming for many of you here this morning, many of you watching online. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are the God that still speaks. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're not, Lord, it's not just history, it's his story. It's your story throughout history. And you still use people. And just when we think we can't be used, that's actually the best moment and the right moment when we're humble and vulnerable that you begin to do your greatest works through our lives. Help us to look at us as we look at Moses. In Jesus' name, amen. Siéntete, por favor. Anjuseo, for my Korean friend that's here today, Sam. So just recently, Pastor Dylan and I and uh, uh, Sam, as well as Dylan Allen, who, who is working now at Teen Challenge, gathered together and we said, your mom's our mom, Pastor Dylan. Your need's our need. And so uh, his father can't drive at night. And so it was literally three days of driving. How many of you ever do a trip like that? I mean, you realize like you have hips and they ache. And so we just kept trucking. And I love... Uh, Apple Maps, where, you know, I'd be going down the road, and it'll say, in five feet, turn right. Turn right. After a while, you get frustrated with that. The, I, you can mix up the voices. You used to be able to, uh, the old tom-toms, some of you might not remember those, you could get celebrity voices. So I had a combination of Mr. T and George W. Bush. So Mr. T would be like, when Mr. T drives in the car, kids behave. And then George W. Bush would say stuff like, you missed your destification, <laughs> and he created all, create all these words. But now we've got Siri, and Siri just kind of tells you, turn left, turn right, turn left. And then on the road, of course, you've got all kinds of signs, and you need these kind of things. But I think as Christians, when it comes to signs, we treat God like a GPS. And sometimes in our own pride, we try to be a GPS for other people. Let me tell you what to do with your life. Turn here, stop there, do this, do that. Wait, stop, slow down, go. You know, pedestrians crossing, yield, you know, and, and we're going through life and there's nothing wrong with wanting to see a sign from God. But I think what I tend to find here in this passage is gonna help us to talk about it because we're just going through the book of Exodus and this is what's up next, is to talk about signs and Christianity and how God uses them versus how sometimes we, I think, accidentally abuse them. God speaks. God said everything he ever needs to say, and it's found right in this book. And if you're in a season in your life where you're like, I just don't hear God anymore, I would, I would be able to connect one thing to you. I'd be able to say, you're probably not picking up this book. And it also helps us because there are sometimes things that I feel very passionate about and get upset about or get very excited about. And then I find out that God says, yeah, you might be excited, you might be upset, but that's not proper, right, or godly. Actually, that's something I'm trying to warn you about. And so if you want to hear God's voice, I would say the starting point is not looking for signs, but looking for the voice of the Savior in here. And so that encouragement to you, with that in mind... Last week, when David Munley spoke, he said, I have two chapters to speak about 80 years. This week, 
I'm going to be looking at eight minutes of conversation continued from God on what he was speaking about at the burning bush in about 18 verses. 80 years, 40 years, Moses was a prince of Egypt. He had a, he had a platinum medal, American Express card that gave him privilege, that had he could get what he wanted, when he wanted it, as much as he wanted. He walked around, and when he walked, people knelt, bowed, served at his whim. That's a man that understood power. But inside of him, there was a burning bush. Inside of him, he had a passion, and he knew that God had a purpose, but he didn't quite have it figured out. And so, unfortunately, he was a prince in pride for 40 years, and he thought that the world's power and the world's wealth and the world's armies are what accomplish God's purposes. And he kills a man with his bare hands and he flees for his life. In fact, the very people he's trying to help, he sees two Hebrews arguing. He says, whoa, whoa, why are you two fighting? You're brothers in Christ. You're brothers in, in, in your God. You're Hebrews. Why are you doing this? And they say, oh, what are you gonna do? You gonna, who made you judge over us? You gonna kill us like you killed the Egyptian? He realizes that it's been found out what happened and he runs for his life. And now he goes into the next 40 years of his life in obscurity. And he's sitting there in the middle of nowhere as a shepherd for 40 years. Nobody's bowing before him. Sheep are bleeding around him. The smell of, of goat and sheep dung is, is what is his daily downwind. He's walking not into palaces and power, but he's walking to places where there's grass and water. And now God begins to empty him. And he realizes he thought he was somebody. And now he thinks he's a nobody. And that's the way that God works. God takes us when we think we're somebody. And he brings us into a place where he realizes and humbles us to realize that really at the end of the day, we're nobody and just when we think it's over and we are nobody, we realize with him, through our life, we can bless everybody. And that's how God prepares his men and women. That's how God prepares Moses. That's how God prepares us. Why do you feel ordinary? Why is it when you listen to this live stream or you hear me speaking here in service, you feel useless? Why do you feel the best days of your life are over? Why do you feel like you missed your moment? Probably because you're in that point in the second phase where God has brought you to that place where you realize what you aren't. And you think that God's usefulness for your life is done where you don't realize that you are actually about to just be ordinary you and do some really significant things for God if you'll obey him and listen to him. Amen? And so with that in mind, let me read for you Exodus chapter 4. And if you have your Bible, you can join along with me here. I'm going to read it in the ESV. Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 4, Exodus 4, verses 1 through 17. Then Moses answered. Now remember, this is God. It has Moses at the burning bush, and he's telling him, I'm going to use you to deliver the people. And now he's, God's going to give him some signs. Moses doesn't ask for signs. God gives him signs. Listen to this. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is in your hand? I love that about God. 
God doesn't ask you to be something that you're not or do something you can't. God does miracles by just simply saying, what you got? And watch what I do with what you have. It's an important lesson or you will spend your whole life trying to rev up to a purpose and never see it realized through the, through the power of yourself, but through the power of God. What's in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, throw it on the ground. So Moses then, he took it and he threw it on the ground. As he threw it on the ground, it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now you have to understand, this is probably the bravest thing that Moses will ever do. Because in Egypt, when you talk about a serpent, you're talking about a cobra. A cobra is not like an American rattlesnake. A cobra will kill you within two minutes because it shuts down your nervous system. One bite from a cobra can kill an elephant. It's, it's not like a spitting cobra like in other parts of Africa, but it's, it, it, it will slither up. They can be sometimes as large as 10 feet. I've had friends who have told me in the schools, they'll be in school in class and then suddenly a cobra will come right to the edge of the door and it will lift its head up three-fourths of the way up the doorway with another few feet in back of it. I mean, that's pretty terrifying and the things are fast and one bite from it, you're dead. But look at Moses' faith. God says, throw it on the ground, it becomes a snake. But then God says, pick it up. How many of you, honestly, right now, if, if that happened, would have been like, I was cool with throwing the stick down, but as far as picking up the snake, uh, no, thank you, Jesus. Where's my little brother? <laughs> Where's my little sister? Hey, pick that thing up. I was contemplating getting a bunch of snakes, like non-poisonous ones, and putting them in the church, but just for the fun of it, but everyone would have freaked out, right? How many of you said that would have been my last time at this church? <laughs> so, just, I thought about it, though. That's what goes through my mind. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand, caught it by the tail, and it became a staff. And they may, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him. Now, notice, Moses isn't saying, Lord, give me a sign. I think some of us, when we have to face a, a difficult decision. We want God to send us a sign. That's not how signs work. That's not how signs work. God gives him the sign because he wants him to go somewhere and do something that he doesn't want to do and where he doesn't want to go. Usually God's signs are to help give us strength and courage for the very thing we want to run away from. Sometimes the call of God can terrify you. And he says to him, he says, listen, put your hand inside your cloak. So he does, he puts it in and then he pulls it out and it's, it's got leprosy. So now Moses is like, great, guess I'm not gonna be doing anything. But the Lord says, put it back in your coat again. He puts it in and it comes out and his hand is restored. God's showing him, I'm the God over all diseases, over cancer, over sickle cell anemia, over COVID-19. I'm God over all sickness. Nothing can happen to you that you should be worried of. And then lastly, he says to him, he says, if they don't believe that, I don't think I have any water left. We'll give it a shot here. But he said, if they don't believe that, take water from the Nile and then pour it out. <laughs> and, uh, and my wife came up to me. It's like, is that oil spilling everywhere? Because if it is, you know, this is problematic. But it actually, it's, it's water. And... Um, and this is a lot of coffee. So 
Why the Nile? Well, the Nile was seen as one of the gods of Egypt that provided life. And you look at the video on geography, you'll see that it's, it's a river that goes through a desert. It's a miracle how that, that there's even grass in Egypt. But, and it turns into blood. Now notice, God is giving in these signs not to go to Pharaoh, but to go to the people of Israel. Now he's going to have a showdown with Pharaoh, and it's going to be significant, but He's giving him signs. You know, when God puts something in your heart, we actually need to declare it to one another, to the people of God. I really feel like God wants me to, because we help grow and learn from each other. And those, those who know you best, those who love you most know you best. And sometimes that can be annoying, going to your mother or your father or your, your husband or your wife or your best friend. But they'll at least, you know, be honest with you. But but when you have a stirring in your heart, that, that, that's why the Bible says test all things, prove all things. But he, he, he goes to the people of God and says, hey, this is what I feel like God's telling me. He pours it out on dry ground and, and it becomes blood. But Moses said to the Lord, oh Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since for I've spoken uh, uh, since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Who makes the mute, the deaf, or the blind, or the seeing? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. And then here we come to the whole moment. This is really where we finally get to honesty. Verse 13. But he said to the Lord, O Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else. See, deep down inside... He thought he was somebody, and God brought him into a season where he realized he was nobody. He just hadn't come into the realization that when you surrender to Jesus Christ and you ask him to make you a deliverer, through him, you can bless everybody. You can bless everybody, and that's what God wants to speak to us here this morning. We have four purposes in this church. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Make a difference. And so God gives us signs. Why does he give us signs? There it is. I think one of the first reasons God gives signs is to kindle confidence for purpose in our life. There was a bush burning in Moses' heart to deliver the Israelites long before he even knew he was a Hebrew and long before he even knew that God was going to use him to do it. It was something inside of him that just burned in him, so much so that he put a man to death with his own bare hands. And God is calling us in the same way to turn to people, not only to say, let my people go and deliver them, but to deliver them into the promises that God has for them. You know, whenever you talk about deliverance we talk about oh deliverance from drugs right because that's like man you know and any of you who've ever been addicted understand how how hard that is to break free whether heroin nicotine uh meth crack those kind of things are difficult but 
But, but God doesn't just want to deliver you, and he didn't just want to deliver Israel out of there. It's because God has a place called the promises of God for your life that are blessings, that are his kindness, his love, his goodness, that God has a good place for your life. And so the story of Christianity isn't just saying, Lord, I went to church, forgive me, but it's about stepping into a relationship with God and being able to pick up and do what God calls you to do to discover your purpose and make a difference. And that's why that's core to Christianity is not just simply saying a sinner's prayer and saying, I'm all set, I'm going to heaven, and I'll go to church at Christmas and Easter, but beginning to say, Lord, where can I make a difference? How can I serve? And it's always practical stuff, right? Put the stick down, pick the stick up, uh, uh, put your hand in, pull your hand out, uh, usher, uh, help the music team. By the way, I could tell you a couple of places in this church where you could start discovering your purpose. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need we need musicians. We need singers. And uh, Pastor Dylan and Pastor Thomas are two great people. We need people working cameras. And, and uh, Pastor Kevin would totally welcome that. But, but it's, it's deliverance, right? And it's not just from drugs. Some of us need to be delivered from insignificance. Some of us need to be delivered from fear. Some of us need to be delivered from our need to control things. Because we won't do anything outside of our control. And you'll never experience a life of faith and miraculous living if you have to control everything. God controls an illusion. God's in control. Some of us need deliverance from loneliness, godlessness, violence, vices, pride. Here in COVID, some of us need deliverance from slothfulness and purposeless living. Some of us need to know that we're called to be many Moseses but sometimes we need signs. So what's a sign? A sign and a wonder. You usually see those words together in the Old Testament, signs and wonders. A wonder is something that halts you in your tracks. Moses sticks the staff into the Red Sea, and it parts right down the middle. And you go, what just happened? I remember that moment when I saw a friend of mine who I knew personally who was in a wheelchair, and somebody prayed for them, and they got up, and they ran around the room. Now, this is an urban legend. You always I'm so We need miracles in our day. We really do. We really do. Those of you that are younger that have never seen a miracle, you really need to see the God of Elijah lives, the God of Moses lives, the God of Jesus Christ lives, and he works through people. But to watch that girl get up and run around the room, somebody who I knew, who we helped up and down stairs, who couldn't have like taken two steps, she got up, and she darted around the room like six times. I mean, that's, that's a wonder, like, oh my goodness, look at what God did. But what's a sign? A sign is something that points beyond itself upward to God. A God-given sign doesn't point to your prosperous future. It doesn't point to the lottery numbers. It doesn't point to the next house you're going to buy. It doesn't point to the person you're going to marry. Signs that God gives you are given biblically so it'll point your attention upward to say, not what a great sign, but oh my goodness, what a great God. And if you can do this, then I can do that thing you're asking me to do. Amen? That's what those signs are for. But if you don't understand signs, how God uses them, you'll miss them and mistreat them and misread them. And you'll get caught in this cycle of, of signs and always looking for a sign from God. Always looking for a sign from God. 
but they should kindle purpose. Yes, back at you. <laughs> Look at this. Look at what it said about Moses. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I mean, those signs, he could have gone back to Egypt. The people who wanted to kill him were gone. He could have probably reinstated himself, but instead he said no. He says, either they get free or I die trying. I mean, it'd be easy if God calls us to wonderful positions of power, but we all get the point that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely unless you realize that you're not somebody, you're nobody, and the things that you have are actually designed by God for you to bless everybody. So signs are there to give you confidence and purpose. If you want to see miracles too, though, you also need to know that you follow obedience, not obsession. Lord, give me a sign. Lord, what do you want me to do? How many of you have ever played a scripture Russian roulette? Let me show you it. <laughs> Open it up. Lord, speak to me. Come on now. Come on. Praise God. Shame the devil. Make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among us. Like, good luck with that. I remember one person, they opened it up and he said, Lord, speak to me. He opened it up. He goes, and Judas hung himself. And he goes, oh, that's not God. Let me flip to another one. It goes, go and do likewise. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. <clears throat> if your calls to heaven for hearing from God are just 911 verses, you're never really going to know God. And how do we get to know him? To know God is one of our first core, know God and find freedom. Well, you're not going to find freedom until you begin to get to know the God who knows how to free you and how he wants to free you and the ways that he frees you. You need to know God for yourself. How are you going to hear his voice? It's not going to be through signs. It's going to be through his scripture. What a blessing that we have this word. Thank God Moses wrote what he wrote. And thank, thank God that God has given us what he's given us and it's there for us. You know, you already have a purpose in your life. Know God, find freedom. We all need deliverance from all those things we mentioned. But discovering purpose, how do you find that purpose? I tend to find that you, if you write pivotal moments in your life, we do this exercise where you get little post-its and you write down a pivotal moment in your life that changed you, a pivotal victory, a pivotal defeat. And you put that up, you begin to see and how you related to it. You begin to see a theme running in your life. Now, I'm just going to remove the mystery. I'll tell you one of the themes in my wife's life. Sorry for preaching about you, honey. It's just, it'll be quick, but it's worth it. I'm in trouble. Um, one of the themes of my wife's life is justice. And she has zero tolerance for abuse and oppression. So I remember one of my close friends for years and years, he was, him and his wife were not getting along. They asked me to come and mediate. We were over there and... It, the marriage just went from bad to worse and worse to tragic. And I had just, I have a, when you, how many of you have a friend and you know when they're hitting at you and Nick knocking on you, you just stuff it because you know that a few moments, listen, a few moments of bad encounters with friends doesn't mean you trash the friendship. It just means it's a bad season in your friendship. Just like a marriage too, by the way. Just, not every marriage it, it ends on an up moment or a down moment. You know, you just, I hope mine ends on an up moment. But you just, you, you have too much invested with somebody. But 
man, he was just out of line. And so I realized I need to go because he was a big guy. If, if it turned into a physical altercation, I was going to throw my face into his fist until he begged for mercy. So I was like, I got to get out of here. And we're getting out the parking lot. And all of a sudden, that justice inside my wife rears up. And she, she's like yelling at him, you, who do you think you are? You, this is the best friend you ever had. And it's almost like I'm holding my wife like back in middle school where the guy's like, stop me, stop me, man. But I was like, there was part of me that was like really proud. My wife is like sticking up for me. Like, this is my best friend, right? And, and, and yet that's my friend. And I was just like, come on, honey, let's go, let's go. And... Um, but she hates injustice. She hates it. We were at Block Island, and there's a young man that was, had a girl with her back to the back of a car, and he's screaming at her. He's lifting his hand. He's making a fist time to time. He's slamming the car. The girl looks terrified, and my wife is like, oh, no, he does not. What does that mean? That means Pastor Paul's going to have to be the one to fight this one. <laughs> you know? My wife will do the yelling. I'll have to do the fighting. And so we walk over. And so I'm like, God, give me wisdom. And the fuse is lit. And so I just step in between the young man and the girl. And I just look at the girl. I'm like, do you, do you want to leave with this guy or do you want to leave with us? And, and my wife's like, yeah, you don't have to go with him. <laughs> and and he's, he, all of a sudden he's like, He's like, I wasn't doing anything. I just was like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to her. You, you, you need to be quiet for a second. I'm looking at her. I was like, sweetheart, I said, if you, if, you, if you were my little sister right now, I would handle this and I'd make sure you go away right now. There's no need for you to be in the middle of a situation like this. Do you want to go with him or not? And then he's like crying and, and she's like, no, 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 it's okay. He's never hit me. He won't hit me. And so I realized the situation's going to cool off and so we do, but I watched my wife for years. Every time somebody who was powerless in a situation, that deliverer rises up in her. How many of you are like that kind of person? That's your kind of thing. Like, that's wrong. I can't keep quiet. I need to do something. And if you look over your life, you'd actually see that there's a theme of purpose in your life of the things that flare you up. And I don't mean in your temper inappropriately, but like justice and and stepping in when somebody has to, even though they don't want to. But Moses lacked confidence, even at the burning bush. Well, they're not going to believe me. What if, what if, what if? And some of us have this, this gift of, of Satan of predicting outcomes. Our job is not to predict what will happen. Our job is to simply obey God. And you'll find when it comes to the call of God and when it comes to following God with the signs that he gives, it's not about obsession with a cause, and it's not about obsession with detailed signs. It's simply obedience. God said, throw the stick down. Moses threw the stick down. God said, pick the stick up, or the snake up. Little brother's nowhere to be found, so Moses picks the snake, the snake up, and it turns back into his staff. Put your hand in the cloak. Do you know what I come to find? If you want to fulfill the will of God today, Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a, the joy of serving. Like, it's that simple. It's simple obedience, and that's what signs are given for. And those themes in our life, maybe the one in your life is empathy for the hurting, and you want to be there. Kindness and hospitality is what drives you. Linda Arcan is, you're, you're, you're an example of this. Like, there's, you're always loving people, serving people, sending cards to people. Raise your hand in this room right now if you've ever gotten a card from Linda Arcan all over the place. That's, that's a purpose, encouragement, the gift of encouragement. 
strength to defend the weak, courage to speak up when nobody wants to. And we too have a purpose planted by God inside of us. We too have setbacks and seasons where we're benched, but we too have questions and we ask, why God? And, and Lord, what if they hate me? What if he won't marry me because I say that every Sunday I go to church? By the way, faith issues are some of the, more than money, your faith issue. If Jesus is an important part of your life and you're not married or you were married and that time has come where you're beginning to look for somebody else, if, if, if you're with somebody who says that they, that, that they want to marry you but they're kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to do church, man, don't, don't. Because that, that person will win the tug of war. That's a fear issue. Oh, I'll just do a courtesy drop in this life. There's nobody more important in your life than Jesus Christ. Nobody. Nobody who can help you like Jesus. And if some handsome guy comes riding in and part of his story is to say that, well, we can do this, but I, you do the religion for the family, and I, you drop that guy like a bad habit. Drop him. You drop that girl like a bad habit. Because I can tell you the outcome on it. What if I try and I fail? So what? God doesn't call us to success. He calls us to obedience. And God gives each of us our own unique signs for the purpose that he has for us. And God is burning in some of your hearts and now is the time to be and to do what you already know he's called you to be and he's already called you to do. God sent three signs to Moses. This is, these signs are interesting. You know, you have the first one. Uh, I'll come back to that. Let me just show you these because they're pretty gross and they're pretty cool. The snake, there's the cobra right there. Vicious little thing. Leprosy. God was showing him, man, disease can't stop you. You know that, that um, who's the famous healer at the turn of the century? He was a plumber, Smith Wigglesworth. Do you know that Smith Wigglesworth, God used him to do incredible miracles, but his whole life, he had, he had digestion diseases and his daughter died of sickness. Like anybody who preaches, God, everybody is supposed to be healed. That's just not, that, that's not even biblical. But God uses some people to do that kind of, do those kind of miracles. And I've, I've seen miracles happen. I've prayed with people. I've seen cancer heal. And then I've seen some miracles that just didn't happen. And we just have to know that God doesn't always exit us out of our challenges he exoduses us. He brings us out of something and into something greater. And sometimes he'll use a difficult situation that we have to endure to put a fight within us to be and do what he's called us to be and do. But that was God showing him and saying, Moses, sickness can't stop you because I am the God that heals you. And then the Nile River represented the river of life. And Nile, uh, the, uh, Egypt's superiority over everybody, all of these Things that they said made them so great and wonderful. And, you know, if you're obsessed with signs, if you think that I'm off here when I'm talking about signs and wonders, like God, some people I talk to and it's like, I'm like, does God have your cell phone number? Does he text you like every five seconds? Like every day, it's like the Lord told me, the Lord told me. You know how many times, let me just, just be, let me just, can I just put out a little bit of, of uh, I'm just gonna put it out there. I don't even describe it. But many times through the years, people have come up to me and said, the Lord said, and what I've come to find is, is that sometimes what it is, is we don't realize that our own selfish desires get in the way and we 
look for an answer that God isn't even giving direction to, and then we validate that, and we say, well, the God said it. The Lord told me to marry this person. The Lord told me to leave this place and go here. Now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people that come to this church and go to this church. We're not interested in controlling people's lives. We're interested in inspiring them and instilling God's word in them so that you can know God for yourself to have some discernment. But, but if you're looking for signs left and right and you're putting God to the test every other day, but Matthew in chapter 16, one through four, they, they come up to him and it says that they asked Jesus to show them a sign to test him. They weren't looking for, they were looking for what they wanted, their validation to discredit him. Or maybe we go looking for validation for God to give a thumbs up to what we want. And we don't realize that you don't chase the signs, the sign chase you. You don't chase the vision, the vision chases you. And then he says, listen, he says, I'm not gonna do any sign for you. The only sign this generation will get will be the sign of Jonah, which was his death, burial, and resurrection. Jonah went into the sea, swallowed by the fish, vomited back alive, given a second chance to do, come back from the dead miracle. And then in Hebrews 3, 9, he says to the people in that generation that we're talking about with Moses, he said, your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. You think miracles are the game changer for Christianity? I've watched people healed and walk away from the call of God and they're more godless now than they were before. Usually signs are actually God awakening purpose that will require obedience in our life. That's huge when you look at it properly from that point of view. Follow obedience. Signs follow obedience, not obsession. What if Moses said, no, nah, I'm not throwing the stick down. What if Moses said, I'm not picking that snake up. I'm not putting my hand. I'm not going to Pharaoh. I come to find that the greatest miracles in life happen when I just simply do what's natural and I give God instant obedience. And then God puts the super into that and we see the supernatural take place, amen? What if some of us are led by fear rather than the Holy Spirit? Take it by this tail. Some of us are led by risk assessment and danger rather than the Holy Spirit. Pour out water on the, from the Nile River. It's very specific, the reason why he tells them to take it from the Nile, because that was Egypt's superiority. Think about this for a second. America has not been a country for 300 years. By the time Moses shows up, they have been a country for 3,000 years, and they're still a nation today. In our day, we want a new phone, new car, new house, right? In those days, everybody wanted to be, the older it was, the better it was. And Egypt was that culture. And he walks in and he says, your culture's nothing compared to the culture of God. Your kingdom's nothing compared to the kingdom of heaven. And when you begin to oppress and enslave people, God's people, and you say that you're God, I'm here to give you a sign and I'm here to give you a wonder to tell you, you are not as important as you think you are and God's gonna set these people free and if you won't let them go, he's gonna break you and set them free. Your choice, Pharaoh. Your choice, Pharaoh. See, at the end of the day, signs eliminate our excuses. When God sent these signs to Moses, to most people in the Bible, when God sent signs, 
It was to help them go in the direction they were least likely wanting to go. Gideon is called to fight an army, and he gathers 10,000 people. He, the angel shows up and says, mighty man of God. And he says, you kidding? Are you, you talking to me? Yes, I am. And so then he gets some hope, and he gets 10,000 people, and the Lord says to him, the, the army's too big. Reduce it. And he ends up going from 10,000 to 300. Before he even was willing to do it, he said, oh, God, please just give me a sign. I'm terrified. I'm going to put out my jacket and make my jacket dry, but the ground wet. And God did it. And he said, Lord, please be patient with me, but I'm going to put out my coat again. This time, make my coat wet and the ground dry. And the Lord did it. You know, that's where you talk about fleecing the Lord, a fleece, a coat. See, most of these men in the Bible and the scripture, if you look at signs, most of the time, the signs are actually... God trying to help them have the courage to go in the very direction they didn't want to go. When you're young, you, like Peter, want to dress yourself and go where you want to go. But Jesus said, Peter, when you're older, someone else will dress you and take you where you don't want to go, talking about his death of crucifixion. It's a very young, immature view of Christianity with signs and wonders. And, and in fact, you don't chase signs. Signs follow you, right? What does it say in the end of Mark 16? These signs shall what? They shall follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will pick up serpents. In my name, they will drink poisonous things and it will not harm them. In my name, they'll do this. But these signs follow. You don't chase signs. Simon the magician wanted those signs, right? In chapter 8 in the book of Acts, verse 9, he says, he says, this power that you have where you lay hands on people, I want that power too, you know? And we see so many admirable people that God uses prof profoundly. And, uh, you know, we're like, I want that same thing. What if, what if that's not what God wants for your life? What if that's not what God wants for your life? Why can't we just simply be at peace being us? You see, signs are given to us to really eliminate our excuses and Moses says, I'm not eloquent. That's not true because in Acts 7.22, the Bible says that Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of Egypt and he was mighty in his words and deeds. Moses was the most educated, eloquent, multilingual man you would have ever met. He spoke Canaanite. He spoke, he spoke uh, Ugaritic. He spoke Egyptian. And apparently he also spoke Hebrew. How many of us, it's, it's almost like this false humility. I'm, I'm, I'm not up for the task. I'm not doing it. Why? Because we're trying to get away from the thing that God's calling us to because usually we need God to eliminate our excuses because what God calls us to do and what we want to do are two different things. And maybe you really do have a, a barrier between you and God using you. I'll never forget my wife and I, one of our dearest mentors, this man, Bob Iris, he would preach. I remember the last message I heard him speak on the book of Revelation in the church of Laodicea. I just was so stirred. I'm like, God, I need more of you. Please keep me on fire. Don't let me be lukewarm. Don't let me be cold. But the amazing thing about Pastor Bob Iris is, is when he spoke with you, he stuttered. But any time he ever preached, the stutter was gone. I, I'm not making this up, right, babe? I mean, it's like every time he preached, there was no stutter. I just, I sat back and I was like, this is the weirdest thing. But that thing kept him humble, but 
He, was, he wasn't running from it. Probably the last thing he wanted to do. I wonder what the first time it was like for him to publicly speak. Maybe the same way it is for you. But God can do it. God can work through you. And God wants to replace your excuses with uses. God not only wants you, he needs you. God calls you, but God won't force you. But he says, I will teach you what to say. And last and most importantly, God's signs usually show up to speak of God's power over all other powers. It is a terrifying thing to face things that could totally, it's a dangerous world and there are a lot of dangerous evil people in it. But here's where I'd encourage you, if you could come up, Boaz, here's where I'd encourage you those teaching lessons that are up there, the one on the staff of Moses and the, the serpent and the staff in Egyptian culture on that, lolag.com, and you go to the learning tab and click it. I can't talk about this, but I'll reference it. In Egyptian culture, at one point in history, they were gods, they were viewed as the gods, and all of the work and all of the wealth went to them. And finally, after about a thousand years, the people got sick of it. And they said, why should I be giving Pharaoh all the money? I can't even feed my family. Why should I be breaking my back for Pharaoh? I can't even fix my roof because I'm here doing this, that, and the other thing. And so they had a crisis in their country. It was Great Depression for about 250 years. Everybody lost faith in the system. And finally, the pharaohs, they got smart and they said, you know what, let's rework our image. And they reworked and they introduced the staff, the shepherd staff into it. And they said, yes, we're gods, but we're your shepherd gods. And we will provide for you. We will guide you into what's best because we're not just for us anymore. We're for you. We want to help you. That sounded really great to the people. And of course, on his other side, he has a rod with whipping tails on it so he could hit something with it and whip something with it. But over his head and every, on the Pharaoh now, which never used to exist there, they put a serpent. And it was the symbol of Pharaoh to say, not only am I your God and I will shepherd you where you need to go and not only will I punish injustice, but enemies that come against us will be dead so quick they won't know what happened to them. Now think about this and connect the world of Egypt with the world of the Bible. Moses was a prince of Egypt. He knew about the history of that staff. And now he's walking around as an actual shepherd. They were wannabe shepherds. He was walking around as a shepherd. God was preparing him. All the great kings of Israel that did anything great for God were always shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And Jesus is the good shepherd. A shepherd lays down his life for the flock, brings them into what's good. These people were just about themselves, making it look like they were there. Now take that imagery and picture Moses. The Bible says he walks into Pharaoh's palace. And he steps in. And he says, the Lord told me to let my people go. Just let them go worship for seven days out in the wilderness. And Pharaoh's like, really? Show us a sign. Because when he walked in with the staff, it was like he was walking into the palace of England with the crown jewels on his head. And so he does what God tells him. Sets it down and it turns into a serpent. Right there, the two magicians in the court of Pharaoh, they just kind of like, We can do that too. 
Bible says that they threw down their staffs. I believe it's two. And in the teachings on Egypt's history of how there's upper and lower Egypt, it was probably two. But here's the interesting thing. The Bible says that those two serpents that they laid down, that the one serpent that God put down now turns from being a cobra to a boa constrictor and swallows up both of the staffs and serpents of Pharaoh. And I'm here to tell you something this morning. God's here to tell you something this morning. You have a purpose. And it's been a theme in your life all along. Whether it's serving people, loving people, caring for people, defending people, working and fixing and whatever that is, find that need and meet it. Find that hurt and heal it. Find the joy of serving. You are not a nobody when you put your hands into the great I am who is the somebody of somebodies. And God's calling some of you to say, stop looking for signs and start looking for purpose and start being who I've called you to be and do what I'm calling you to do. And then take that staff into your hands and start walking into that broken marriage that you have and start throwing down some humility and taking responsibility. Walk into the room of that kid of yours and stop telling them what they're doing wrong and what they need to do right and start telling them first, you love them as they are and we can work this out together. Take that staff that God's given you and stop saying, I don't, I'm so lonely and nobody cares and whatever. And start doing what Linda Arcan did and start laying down some cards all over the place and, and stop looking at the pastors getting up here saying, we need musicians, we need singers, we need ushers, we need that and just throw it down. Sit down and say, man, my life, I'm spiritually isolated and, and COVID and this, that, and the other thing. And stop making excuses. You go out to shop at Walmart. You go out to shop. You've got your kids in school. And, and you're saying, man, my relationship with God has been apathetic. Stop doing that and throw down your family and get them back to church. You know, when's the right time for you to come back when you're ready? But some of you out there, it's not an issue of being ready. It's an issue of, of looking to God and saying, Lord, I need purpose back in my life. And one of the, one of the crippling things that this, this COVID situation and season has done is, is it's created a combination of slothfulness and gluttony. And we wonder why God feels so far away from us. God's got purpose for your life. Discover purpose. Sit down and write out every moment, every high victory and every low defeat and every way that it made you feel and every influential person in your life and you'll begin to see themes arise and you'll be, oh God, you've called me to be somebody that explains things to people. Lord, you've called me to be somebody to help provide in, in needs. Lord, you've called me to help work and serve for people that are overwhelmed and can't. You've called me to be an encourager and begin to deliver people out of their situation and know that that's for the purpose, not just to deliver people, but to begin to enter into the promise of joy, love, peace, kindness, God's goodness, God's financial provision for your life. And you'll see promise begin to fulfill in your life by the hand of God. Amen. Let's stand and let's invite it. I want you across this room and maybe even if you're watching live stream to lift up your hands and close your eyes. As strange as this might feel for you, this is our way of just saying, oh God, 
deliver me from my fears. Deliver me from my slothfulness. Deliver me from my apathy. Deliver me from my gluttony, my pride. Lord, deliver me from my wanting to do it my way and thinking I understand it. For some of us here, Lord, deliver us. Oh God, please deliver us from that sense of worthlessness. Lord, there's, everybody is valuable. Every life is precious to you and every life has purpose. We just need to find that purpose and step out of our pride like we can do it. Step out of our pity as if we can't do it and step into the power of God and allow you to do it through us. We say to you this morning, we'll be obedient. We will do what's natural. And Lord, we'll look for the super. We'll stop looking for signs and we'll start following obedience in the direction you have for us and we will see the signs as we go. And Jesus, I just pray for people that are watching online that you would begin to encourage. Lord, set people free from depression, discouragement, divorce. Lord God, suicide. Lord, I think of of so many soldiers that have come back and and that their lives are broken, Lord, and people who have lost ones that they love. Lord, there's so much tragedy and brokenness in the world. And Lord, I pray that you would kindle a fire in their heart, burn a bush, visit them, show them that you can do great things despite the bad things that have happened. And we invite you to do that through our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, whether you're here or there, we encourage you to go online and you scroll down the page it says connect or it might be right where you're watching it live stream you go to lolag you can email office at lolag.org hit the connect card i can't tell you uh how much i appreciate and want to thank you for your faithfulness and giving the bills have not stopped uh, but neither has the giving and i just thank you for that and i also want to say thank you for what you did for pastor dylan it's his story to tell but when i tell you you helped somebody in one of the lowest moments of their family's life. Um, You did it, and the way that you responded shows just how much you love that young man. But we love you too, and we wanna help you, we wanna bless you, and we send you in the grace of God. You guys want a blessing as you leave? Here it comes, ready? This is what the priests would do. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May you be the head and not the tail. May you be filled with faith and not fear. that seems like water that you'll sink in and may God do the supernatural to take you over it. May every enemy that confronts you and even though it takes 10 plagues that he would deliver you from it. May he meet all of your needs. May he bring peace to your home and may he cause his face to shine upon you. May you go and be a blessing and through that be blessed in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We continue Exodus.